first we got to get to iTarget Pro though. iTarget Pro is uh, <laughs> is is a big thing because if you care about your uh, your ability to actually use your gun, should you need to, you're going to need to be dry firing a lot. Uh, and that is not exactly the most exciting thing in the world. No, dry fire. When they say you got to dry fire, oh, I hate it. I just hate it. But it really does come down to uh, trigger control and being able to pull slowly and almost let the gun surprise you. And that takes round after round after round after round before you even realize that. That's why you have to do dry firing. And this will help you do it without the cost of bullets, without going to the range. You could do it in your house. iTargetPro.com. Check it out now. iTargetPro.com. All right. The fantastic radio program begins in just a moment. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America, and welcome to Monday. Well, we've got some polls that are out that will tell us who we are, what we think. Now, this is before Hickenlooper joins the race, and that's uh, a... Turning the whole world upside down. <laughs> the whole world. He's going to enter and run as a... I knew it. Run as a Democrat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hickenlooper, the guy who can change it all. Wouldn't it be, you know, I was going to say, wouldn't it be crazy? But no, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be exactly like the rest of the world if Hickenlooper was our next president? Nobody even knows who he is. And then all of a sudden he takes everything by storm. And we're like, President Hickenlooper, what? So far, the polls say no, but there's a lot of polls out there that I want to go over because it says a lot about where we are right now. We do that in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. American Finance is going to help you with your uh, home loan. If you are looking to buy or sell a home, now really is the time. If you would like to buy a home, you need a you need a great bank or a, a a great loan from a bank. The great banks, I don't think, really exist anymore. Um, they're all the the same people, and they're all operating over the same kind of things. What you need is somebody to go in and look at all of the different loans that are available, and find the one that is right for you without without somebody having an agenda. That is American financing. They don't work for the banks. They don't get any commissions on anything. So they are salary-based people that just go in and look for the right thing for you. And they will find the right loan for you. AmericanFinancing.net. AmericanFinancing.net. You can uh, pre-qualify in as little as 10 minutes and close in as fast as 10 days. Only with AmericanFinancing.net. Or you can call 800-906-2440. American Financing Corporation. NMLS one eight. Two three three four www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome to the program. Um, so, what are the most trusted news brands? You know, they always the most trusted name in news. No, not not really. Not in fact, not at all. It's the most trusted news brand in America. The most trusted is the BBC, which strikes me strikes me as odd, except the BBC uh, is the only one that was reporting on how bad uh, uh, Barack Obama was for a while. 
You know, you had to go to the outside. Uh, was it the BBC? I thought it was more like the Daily Mail. And no, the BBC also the Guardian. did. Guardian. It was, but the BBC also did some. Really? And I think it's because it's foreign and we're not all watching it. We just think, well, what do you think of the BBC? Oh, yeah. Well, I trust them. What? It's, you know what it is? I think on that one. They've got the good call letters. People know BBC. But more than that, English accent. That's I think it. So too. We I just think, so think too. because they, think it's so said in an English accent, it's true. They're just yeah. as liberal, if not more liberal, than all oh, of our more, major networks. Oh, yeah, more liberal. Yeah, and yeah I, more liberal. They're, they're way out there. Not to mention, the idea of a government news source is so, I mean... Can I, can I, can I ask you a question? Uh, How is a government school or a government news source... How does anybody think it could teach the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution? Well, like government, government schools should be able to teach the Declaration. No, but it can't. It can't. Think about it. Because it's, Why? Because the whole point is don't trust the government. <laughs> it is. I mean, it is. Uh, government is like fire. As long as the people have control of the fire, it's good. As soon as the fire mm. gains control, it'll burn everything down. They can't teach that. They can't teach that uh, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. They can't teach any of that stuff. Mm. So no wonder we have people who are, they're teaching us to obey. That's the key. Um, Fox News is number two behind the BBC. With 88% of the people saying they trust Fox News. 87 PBS. MSNBC is tied for second with uh, PBS with 87%. Then Bloomberg, then CNN with 80 or with 79%. That truly is remarkable. So Fox News has 88, CNN has 79, CBS with 77, NBC with 75, ABC with uh, 73, Sinclair with 64, and Trump with 26. I don't know. They know this. Trump isn't a news agency. <laughs> they treat him like he is. Well, they are in this poll. They treat him as if he's the only thing, the only way you're allowed to cover the news is if Donald Trump tweeted it, then we can talk about it. That's the only thing. He didn't tweet so it. It didn't happen. Him. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, they're completely controlled uh, by, Which is by his Twitter feed. Which is great. In a way, yeah. it's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish we, I, I wish Republicans would be able to utilize that power a little bit better. You know, I mean, yes. they had control of all three uh, uh, branches. branches and then, uh, or, yeah, and they could have used every Donald treat, uh, t- Trump tweet to pass some other form of legislation that would have been controversial. Oh, yeah. They, right? if, like, if they would have done their job, he, he provided the greatest cover of yeah. all time. I mean, you want to talk about... I'm going out. Cover me. Yeah. It's like he tweeted about Mika Brzezinski passed the flat tax quick. Like that's, yes. what, that's what should have been happening. Yes, exactly right. And instead they're like, oh, let's just all go out and, and moan on TV about whatever was tweeted last. First of all, the, 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 the stations themselves shouldn't have even been covering it. Who cares what he says about Mika Brzezinski? But I mean, even if you're going to do that, which I, you know, uh, for whatever reason, they just turn the news, fire everyone in the newsroom, Mm -hmm. just put Trump's tweets on the screen and we'll all talk about them over and over again. Mm -hmm. But the Republicans should have been smart enough to say, wait a minute, like when they want to cut, you know, taxes or cut regulation by, you know, 1%, it's the biggest issue in the world. 
God forbid you want to give people their constitutional rights to bear arms. That is, uh, that's just uh, way over the line. Every time the guy tweeted, they'd just be complete. Like, this was the ultimate shiny object mm-hmm. for the media. They never were going to pay attention to any legislation going through. And Republicans could have gotten away with it. Um, mm. You know what's interesting to me, though, is if you look, Fox News has 88% trust. Okay. What's, that? what's the actual question? I mean, 88% trust. Uh, which uh, which uh, media do you trust? Uh, trust engendered when it came to individual news brands. So which news brand? Do you trust? It doesn't have the actual question here. Because, I mean, I can't believe 88% of Americans trust Fox News. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a somewhat partisan lean. The, thing, the reason mm-hmm. why Fox News typically does well in these polls is because half of the country really trusts them. CNN and MSNBC and all these other ones, the maximum they can get to is also a half. But because there's division, there's multiple sources within that field. They don't they don't get to fifty percent like you know that uh, that Fox does. There's only one real there's only one real option for a conservative on that entire list. How much how much value of trust in, is engendered when it comes to these news brands? So do you yeah. do you trust it? Do you trust? Right, that's it? a fair analysis of that question. It's very right. you know uh, Fox News eighty eight percent, PBS eighty seven, NBC, MSNBC eighty seven, Bloomberg eighty, CNN seventy nine. I will tell you, I think it's because uh, if you look, MSNBC eighty seven percent, they say what they are. They they have no problem saying what they are. They are clearly an opinion place that comes out for the progressives. That's not what they say they are, Glenn. <laughs> they're part of NBC News. No. Fox News says they're fair and balanced. Right? You're right. I mean, like MSNBC right. does but not say we're, knows, we are but super progressive. No, but know. everyone knows. Yes, everyone, everyone knows. knows. That's different than them saying it. No, everyone I think knows. lean forward and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. They and, and just who they select on the air. Yeah. Where CNN is trying to say they're fair and balanced. CNN is trying to say everything they do is, no, he is very, very credible. He is. I mean, Rachel Maddow, you don't see them, you know, going out and going, no, she's she is fair. She she cuts both ways. They know. No, right. You're right. They don't do that. They're defending that side. And I think everybody knows it. The same thing with Fox. They're defending a side and everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. And so they they they're not hiding like uh, CNN or CBS or ABC behind this this cheap veneer that everybody sees right through. Oh, really? You're fair and balanced. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. But what's really interesting to me on this poll is. That Fox News has 88% trust in the country, according to this. Think of the money that has been spent by organizations, uh, by Soros kind of people, uh, and all of the media ganging up on Fox all the time. For them to have this kind of uh, trust from the people. With all of that going on, speaks volumes, and it doesn't speak volumes of Fox. It speaks volumes that people don't people don't believe that they just don't believe all of the hype that you've said. They know that they go too far one time or another, just like MSNBC goes one you know too far one way or the other. They know that, but they don't trust you. 
You can run all the, this is an apple and this is a banana all you want, and it doesn't matter to people because they know you're not who you say you are. I think that's fair. I think it's a fair, uh, I mean, that is basically where we are now. Yeah, I think so. Now, there's a couple of other polls that have come out, and I want to have Stu get into these because these polls um, are about socialism uh, and the election for 2020. We'll do that in one minute. First, let me tell you about Real Estate Agents I Trust. We launched Real Estate Agents I Trust for a really simple reason, to help you sell your home for top dollar and as quickly as possible. Or if you're moving into a new home, find a real estate agent that actually listens to you and knows the market. Now, we learned that there are three keys to success. Buying or selling a home, complicated. So you have to have somebody with a long track record uh, of success, somebody who knows what they're doing. Second thing, market value for your home. Can't be done by an algorithm or a book. You have to have somebody who's on the ground, who knows that area, who knows all of the competing houses, and is able to say, look, I think it's, it's worth this. Pricing it right to move, not undercutting it. And the third is you have to really trust the person that you're doing business with. You have to trust that real estate agent. That's why everybody on our team is hand-selected by us. They're all fans of the show. They think like you do. They have the same kind of values that you do, and you're going to be treated right. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. You're looking to buy or sell a home. The real estate agent you need is waiting and will be in touch with you within the next hour at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Should we go through this poll? Yeah, let's There's go a lot to it. get to. Uh, NBC News, Wall Street Journal uh, c- conducted a poll. A lot of different questions, varying topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick, Donald Trump's uh, approval rating. It's in, on this poll, since the beginning of his presidency, it's been between 35 and 43 in every single survey. Currently at 42. It was also at 42 in November before the sort of shutdown stuff happened. It went, 40, it went 42 down to 37, up to 39, now back to 42. Okay. So basically the, the shutdown uh, negatives are... Behind him. Are behind him at this point, um, as you kind of would expect. Uh, here's another one. Uh, here, I'm going to read a, a couple of statements about the role of government. Which one comes closest to your point of view? Statement A, government should do more to solve problems to help meet the needs of people. Statement B, government is doing too many things better left to businesses and individuals. Um, yeah, I would certainly be <laughs> B. very much B. B. I was looking for one that's a little stronger than yeah, B. Exactly. Okay, I'll take B. Again, which is closest. So right. in 2014, when Republicans had a really good election, uh, it was 50% said B, 50 to 46, slight advantage for people saying government is doing too many things better left to businesses and individuals. Uh, currently, uh, it is uh, the opposite of that. 55 to 41. Oh, my God. Government should do more. Now, that is not the wow. the worst that polls look. In fact, in 2018, it actually was 58-38. So it's back a, it's back, it backed off a little bit from that. Um, but it's not, not another This right is side. why if the, if the economy goes south, you Oof. will see that number in the 30s. Easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why we will get a socialist president, because they'll promise anything and everything. We have to pray that this economy holds together. 
one thing that's interesting is we hear a lot about kind of the binary choice argument when it comes to elections. Yes. Two parties. Yes. This is fascinating. This is, you know, and, and this is what we heard from everybody on both sides. Uh, how about this question? Uh, in terms of how well it defines issues and provides choices for voters, do you believe the two-party system works fairly well? Two-party system has real problems, but with some improvements, it can still work well. Or the two-party system is seriously broken and the country needs a third party. Uh, C. I would tend to agree with that. Uh, the What I was fascinated about is the two-party system works fairly well. 11% of people believe that. Wow. That's Ele- A. And, that's yeah, A? Yeah, that's A. So 11% think this is working well, yet everyone thinks this is what we should have and we should not. Ha- it's it's such a... No, because it's a different question. It that's is. a different question. When you get down, I've got a gun to your yeah. head. Yeah. It's it's always I'm going to play in the two party system because yeah. it's the only thing mm-hmm. um, in selecting a presidential nominee for the Democratic Party. Which of the following is most important to you? Obviously, talking uh, to people considering that choice. Is it a chance? Is it a uh, candidate with the best chance to defeat Trump or a candidate who comes closest to your views on issues? Now, I don't believe this, but they are saying a candidate who comes closest to your views on issues at 56 percent. And a candidate who, with the best chance to, be tr- to defeat Trump at 40%. Okay. That is, that is because it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. We're still in this utopia where I think I can find a candidate that's going to reflect my issues. Right. But once it gets narrowed down, it's exa- it's, it, it goes hand in hand with that mm-hmm. last poll question. Mm-hmm. You, know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think this is broken. Well, when you get down to it, there's only two left. You're going to vote. You won't vote for a third party. And the second the second one is, yeah, I want somebody with my values. But when it gets down to it, anybody but Trump, mm. that's what they'll think. Uh, Republican primary voters, would you like a Republican to challenge Donald Trump in the for the in the primary? Thirty seven percent said yes. Fifty nine percent. No, uh, I actually was. I thought that was high. I was surprised that thirty seven percent would want that. OK, so now to the I, next again. I think it I think it is more of an intellectual thing. That you would like to have somebody in theory, in theory, mm-hmm. challenge Trump because you may not like this, this, and this, but you like the other parts of Trump, and so I'd like somebody to challenge, but not if it's going to weaken the position right. and we get them. Yeah, you know what I mean. So sure. The, the, all three of these so far don't mean anything at this. point. I kind of with you on that. Okay, these are this is pretty interesting though. Uh, not thinking of specific candidates, uh, I'm going to list several types of people who might run for president. For each one, tell me if you if you are uh, enthusiastic about this, would be comfortable with it, have some reservations, or be very uncomfortable with it, okay? So, <laughs> this is interesting. Uh, an African-American, would you be enthusiastic about this? 21% said they'd be enthusiastic. 66% said comfortable. So, you're combining those and you're getting 87%. Comfortable is not, is not the right word for that. I'm totally fine that's comfortable i think that's i like what i it would just describe, seems like enthusiastic or are you comfortable right. like i think enthusiastic is like i i feel like the enthusiastic answer to me is identity politics yes. right like i yes. i'm never going to be enthusiastic about any of these groups no because i don't pick candidates in individuals correct. based on groups correct 21 percent are basically saying they do right at some level uh 66 say un, uh, comfortable which is is interesting um now you'd Why say is it interesting well because uh, a woman 25% would be enthusiastic. Now, maybe that's because there was already an African-American president, mm-hmm. right? So now we have not had a female president yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so tw- 25% say a woman, they'd be enthusiastic about. 21% say an African-American. A white man, 
Now, this is a country that is called racist constantly for keeping down the African-Americans and women. But that's no, basically every piece of news coverage is saying one of those two things. But I think and here we are. More people are enthusiastic about having an African-American president and having a woman president than a white president. Again, I think this is because the African-American we've already had one. So it's 22 percent. I think before Barack Obama, that probably would have been higher. Yeah, I agree. 25% because we haven't had it. You had the analysis right. 16% because that's run of the mill. Who cares? Who cares? When it comes Mm to, uh, am I enthusiastic for a man? No, I'm not enthusiastic. Would I be... Would I be would I be excited to show the world? Right. No, but a lot of people are. I think that's true. And and that's what we're seeing there. By the way, um, more people would even be comfortable with an African-American over a white man. In this racist country, (laughs) wait, 87 percent would be comfortable or enthusiastic about an African-American. Eighty six percent. I mean, again, they're basically tied, but it's fascinating in this racist. Think of what washes over you every day with the accusations of racism and sexism. It's we are told we are living in a rape culture where people are being lynched every day. That's essentially the impression you would get by watching the news. But cops are shooting black people all the time for no reason. People know the truth. That's, I think, why people are not as upset as they should be on what's going on in the country. Mm. They, they're not as upset because they think, oh, these are just a bunch of crazies. You know, the media, they're just this pack of crazy people in the media. Mm-hmm. And we all know the truth. I think that's what it is. They're ignoring it just like we ignored all those crazies in the universities. That just shows how little credibility there is in the media because yeah. i mean this is yeah you know it's the same thing every day or another one uh muslims uh, everyone hates i mean listen ilan omar again like it's it's everyone loves the jews and hates the muslims right that's what we're supposed to believe from from omar so 49 percent of people would be comfortable or enthusiastic about a muslim president evangelical christian is only 54 percent so almost again we're within the margin of error there would you be comfortable with an evangelical christian president or a muslim president the American people are saying basically it's a tie. I mean, this is not a hateful nation, and it is, it's is—it's really frustrating that it's pre- presented that way so often. But we have interesting stuff on socialism as well from this poll. We'll get to it in a second. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Hmm. All right, I want to talk to you a little bit about Relief Factor. Uh, relief Factor is uh, truly a miracle worker for me. Um, millions of Americans have pain, and it's dramatically changed the quality of our life, has it not? We have met with so many people that have tried Relief Factor. We have people who use Relief Factor here. I am on Relief Factor, and I will tell you there is a difference in my pain that is um, remarkable. I take Relief Factor three times a day. And there were things that I just couldn't do a year ago that I can do now. I don't know if I would have made it through CPAC a year ago before Relief Factor. I did this time. Uh, Relief Factor will really dramatically change the inflammation in your body. So go to relieffactor.com now and try it for three weeks. Just try it for three weeks at Quick Start at 1999. Relieffactor.com. How would Americans feel about a socialist president? How do they feel about the wall and the National Emergency Act? We have all those stats coming up here on the Glenn Beck Program in just a moment. Now, 
for something completely different. I have the honor to introduce you to one of the best people I know and a hard worker. His name is Mike Rowe. The Way I Heard It with Mike Rowe. This is a great podcast that gives a unique take on American history. He explores everything from pop culture to politics, athletes to actors, history to Hollywood. Each episode is 10 minutes or less about a famous person or an event that you know, filled with surprising facts that you likely didn't know until Mr. Smarty Pants, Mike Rowe, tells you about it. It's called The Way I Heard It. It's hosted by the one and only Mike Rowe, and he shares stories for, and I quote, the curious mind with a short attention span. The Way I Heard It, America's number one short-form podcast. Go to micro.com slash podcast and listen and subscribe to The Way I Heard It. That's M-I-K-E-R-O-W-E dot com slash podcast. That's micro.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. It is Monday. We're glad you're here. Uh, I learned a lot Talking to the people at CPAC, I listened to the speeches, I watched, I talked to uh, members of the crowd. Uh, it was a little hard to maneuver. It was um, very flattering uh, how many people uh, were there and wanted to shake hands and say hello, and I, I am grateful for that. Thank you. Um, but I learned an awful lot by talking to people, and there are two things that came out to me as a consensus i would ask people what is it that what is it that we what is it we have to care about most and there are two things and we'll get to that also the rest of this poll um which is which is really quite telling and an unbelievable story from somebody who says professors at college are predators and believe her because they are that all happens in about 35 minutes. Right now, Pat Gray is joining us. He watched the Neverland Ranch. I watched a little bit of it, uh, probably mm, 60% of it, uh, and just couldn't, just couldn't take very much more of it. It it's is disturbing. Disturbing. The second half is on HBO tonight. Yeah. Uh, another two hours. It's a four-hour documentary, and I, I found it compelling, uh, credible, but incredibly disturbing. Okay, so what is what is the biggest question you want answered? Because let's see if it's the same with you. I'm watching it, and one question just keeps coming to me, and I, I want it answered. Tell me, what's the biggest question that you want answered? Uh, why? If I didn't already have it answered, I think my main question would be, uh, why did they lie under oath at the mm. jury trial? I think my question would have been just from, the, and I did not watch it, but I've heard clips of it. Is how did the parents allow this to go on? That's that too. Well, that one is yeah. my number one question. But you see, you see it when you, they talked about it. I they know, had the parents on last night. Yeah. I know, I know, and they talk about and it. While and while I would have made different choices, it seems kind of <laughs> reasonable that they thought, "Well, this guy's the biggest star in the world. How yeah, bad they, could it?" They they talk about you know? this in a lot. Uh, uh, the the parents in particular and the kids, they're like, "Look." He's validated by society. You know, mm -hmm. he's he's off with Princess Diana and, and the president of the United States. And then he comes back and he wants to have sex with you. And you're like, OK, this is normal. And and the mm -hmm. parents are like, how could he be that? I mean, mm -hmm. look at how popular he is. Everybody who's anybody lines up to see him. I heard one clip. Uh, and You guys may have seen the context more around this, but that they had fax machines, no texting, no emails. They had fax machines back in the day, and so the parents would come home to their floor of their office littered with faxes 
because Michael Jackson was faxing their kid over and over and over and over again, little notes of, I can't wait to see you. You're so much Mm -hmm. fun, blah, blah, blah. Like, that happens one time. Do you not make it uh, a a hard, fast rule that this person never sees your child again? I I would, yeah. Again, I would like to talk to a psychiatrist or psychologist, somebody who has studied this. It would be great to have a guest on because they haven't done this yet. Maybe they do tonight. But somebody that can explain the normalcy bias on this particular case Mm -hmm. because I thought the same thing, you know, Here's a grown man who is like crying because your son is going to go to the Grand Canyon for a week. And he's like, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. And you're like, I mean, I as a parent. Creepy. Yeah. It's kind of creepy. But they were all set up by Jackson's handlers and everything else as he's like a nine year old boy. And so you and I remember saying this, Pat mm-hmm. and I talked about this. We're not mm-hmm. sure if he did it or if he was just stunted in his growth and he had no childhood. So he's acting like a child. That's what I thought for years. Yeah. And, and you seem to be shaken from that because you used to say that even mm-hmm. on Pat and Stu a couple of years ago. Yeah. You would say that. Um, yeah. This documentary has really kind of changed my mind. It's uh, it's pretty compelling. It's and they're both so credible. And then Vanity Fair did this 10 undeniable things about the uh, sex abuse scandal Mm -hmm. that are proven. And that's pretty compelling. You know, that things like uh, at the age of 34, he slept more than 30 nights in a a row in the same bed with a 13-year-old boy. Uh, That that came out in court. Um, Five boys Michael Jackson's chair beds with have accused him of abuse. He paid twenty five million to settle uh, one family's case, and we don't know how many millions to settle the others. It, it's rumored up to two hundred million. He paid families uh, to settle abuse claims. Mm. Um, he suffered from the skin discoloration disease uh, vitiligo, and so he had markings on his mm-hmm. man unit. And uh, Jordy Chandler, who the thirteen year old that slept with him thirty nights in a row, drew those markings exactly. That came out in a court of law. I don't remember. That, that. Well, he That's might have been a psychic. That's damning. He might have, he might have been a psychic. Hey, we all play the lottery. <laughs> right. You get the you, you get the you know numbered balls right. You win. That's not a good. It is a fact, and they that. talked they talked about this on the uh, on the documentary last night. <laughs> that is the hallway leading to the bedroom was seriously covered in security, so he would know of anybody's yeah. approach. Yeah, that was That's creepy. You know what? They kept showing the door. Yeah. With all, he like had six different locks on it, and you know you you could, could not get in there without him knowing. Yeah, he had bells and mm. and he would set things up Alarms. so you could hear anybody approaching. Mm-hmm. He had an extensive collection of adult uh, pornography that had his fingerprints on it and the kids' fingerprints on it, and they said, "Oh my god!" That he showed it to him all the time, and it creeped him out. Uh, the Neverland uh, staff say that they never saw or knew of a woman ever spending the night with Michael Jackson, including his two wives. That's amazing. Okay, Debbie Rowe and Lisa Marie Presley never spent the night with their husband? Are you surprised by no, that? Well, do you remember that awkward I kiss? <laughs> yeah, I talked about that this morning. Because oh, it was like the, that was kiss. It the, was it the Grammys? Grammys? Yeah, and and he had to kiss Lisa <laughs> mm-hmm. Marie, and it was like it was like the first time it had ever happened. Yeah, it was, it was like, the it was, MTV Music Awards, wasn't it? Maybe, it was. maybe, it was. but it was it it was the most <laughs> awkward thing. It was like he had never kissed a girl ever in his life. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> the parents of the boys uh, that he shared beds with were uh, given expensive gifts. Uh, now, I don't know if that proves anything, but um, Jimmy Safechuck's parents, he's featured in the documentary, got a house uh, from Michael Jackson at one point. Um, and in the documentary in 2002, Living with Michael Jackson, remember the Martin Bashir thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did say there was nothing wrong with sharing his bed with boys. And he said the same thing to Ed Bradley on, on 60 Minutes. So, you know, he, the parents of this kid get a, get a house. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the question there. Like, because even if, let's just say, as a parent, the, the pitch comes to you. Look, he's just a nine-year-old boy. He's got the mindset of a nine-year-old boy. You have to understand that. And you, mm-hmm. and you know what? Let's just say you're in this weird world. The guy's buying you houses and you're just, I don't know. You've convinced yourself that that's true. Do you still expose your kid to a guy, an adult, who thinks like a nine-year-old kid for long stretches of time? Even no, just that, my answer no, is you absolutely you, not. No, you right. don't, but here's how this, this, this is cult of personality. This is a, a society that is that bases at the very beginning of basing everything into celebrity. You know, wealth, fame, celebrity, skill. The guy was really a skilled singer, really a skilled act, uh, um, dancer, mm-hmm. and he, he was accomplished and beloved by everybody. Mm-hmm. And so you have this feel. I, I mean, I could see in a way I could see in a way that you wanted. I mean, if you looked, if you watch the documentary, the parents said, oh, my heart was beating so fast when, you know, he would say, hey, do you want to come and stay with us and everything? I mean, it was such a big deal, such an honor. Mm-hmm. And they believed like they were friends. Like the parents thought that Michael was their friend, not right. necessarily. Yeah. I mean, the oh, kids yeah. as well. Sure. But they like thought they had a good, tight relationship. This is like a, a close fr- friend of the family. Michael would thing. call the mother of the boys, both of them actually, and talk to him sometimes for six or seven hours at a time. Yeah. One of them lived in Australia, and so that you know that, that was during long distance charges at the time. Uh, so yeah, they were taken in by it. They they that's bizarre. Hmm. That is very bizarre. bizarre. And, and where do you draw that? Because, I mean, you made the point on News and Why It Matters, which, by the way, Pat's on as, as well as us uh, every day. You can watch it on blazetv.com slash Beck. Um, you made the point that uh, the death of, of due process is here. With, mm-hmm. with this documentary, we've seen it with R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Harvey Weinstein. We've, I mean, and again, all of these people I think are and guilty. they seem like bad guys. Right. And that's not, but that's not a good reason <laughs> to evict no. people because I, I watched right. a documentary and I'm pretty sure. Like, that right. is not the standard of justice, but it's become the standard of justice. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, too, because when you're thinking of Michael Jackson, uh, back in the late 80s and early 90s, this guy was so big that there's nothing to really compare it to. One of them said last night, there's nobody like him today. Yeah, and I isn't. think that's true. Yeah, I think it is, too. Uh, it is maybe Donald Trump. Maybe Donald Trump maybe. Is, is that big. For at least, yeah, where uh, everyone knows. Everyone knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Although he's more pol- polarized, polarized, yeah, than Michael Jackson. Um, was. The, the thing with the thing that this documentary does really well is it does bring you back to that time when they're yeah. showing the Pepsi commercial. Mm-hmm. They're not just showing the Pepsi commercial; they're showing the crowds and the people that were around, and you remember, oh, thousands my gosh. of people. I mean, I Everywhere remember. He went. I remember we, you know, when we were in radio in 1982. The the uh, victory tour eighty three or mm-hmm. somewhere in, in that era eighty four um, the victory tour it was so massive 
And mm-hmm. no concert ticket was ever over eight bucks. Ever. Nobody spent any money over eight dollars. Good seats at the uh, Jackson Victory Tour were eighteen and nineteen dollars. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, and that was and, a scandal. And that was a scandal. That was like, how can this guy? Everyone said it better be worth eighteen bucks. Okay. <laughs> wow. And right, and it was, and it just built on itself and mm-hmm. built on itself. It was everywhere. There were practically, it was probably a lot like um, uh, Elvis, the Elvis mania definitely. was, and the Beatle mania. Yeah, definitely. Except Michael Very Jackson, similar. unlike, I think, the Beatles, Michael Jackson took all of society. I mean, it took from the teenagers to the grand grandmothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone was a fan of Michael Jackson. Yeah. That's a really, you didn't remember yeah. it? I mean, you know, I was, a, I was in what, 84, so I was eight years old in 84. Mm. I do remember him being... I was never a Michael Jackson fan, mm-hmm. um, but he, I do remember it I was being, 10 in 84. Oh, so, you were? Yeah, a couple of years ago. So I hadn't been born this. yet. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You're that young? Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. That's uh, weird, because you were just talking about being a radio back then. Yeah. Well, huh. hey, <laughs> I'm here to testify that children in the womb right, are oh. children. They are yeah, humans. Okay. You hosted right. a radio show. I hosted a radio show. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I do remember the Glenn Beck and the Heartbeats. We did a couple of numbers. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Every time, you know, I remember watching like MTV. Every time something would come out, it was just nonstop Michael Jackson. Then my mm-hmm. part, my favorite part of this era was, of course, you know, six months later when the Weird Al parody would come out mm-hmm. of the big Michael Jackson song. That's what mm-hmm. I liked about it. I mean, think mm-hmm. of though how I mean it was dominating culture. One guy basically dominating all of culture. Yeah. And now here we are. I mean, everyone from that era, Bill Cosby and and Michael Jackson, were the two people you'd point to television and music that defined that era. And, and now look know, at them now. And again, and again, it's because we lost our mind. We're doing it right now. We're just doing it with politicians. We mm-hmm. lost our minds. They were so popular. They were so everything that we wanted. Mm. They gave us and we allowed them to get away with anything. We, we denied our own common sense. We're doing it again. You'd think we'd learn. Mm. Thanks, man. Pat Gray Unleashed, get the podcast anywhere you get them, iTunes, and uh, also listen on Blaze Radio. The owners of Brickhouse Nutrition came into the studios, and uh, we were talking the other day, and I love these guys because they got into this because they're they're health nuts. Yeah, no, they're much healthier than us. Uh, their donut intake is slightly less than this uh, particular program. Maybe zero. Their donut <laughs> intake, maybe zero. And, uh, and uh, they got into it, um, and they started looking at all of the different supplements that people were selling and they were like this is garbage this is absolute garbage you're putting into your you're just buying stuff and it's not going to do anything for you so they went to uh they went to a really uh, amazing um uh, doctor and said can you can you actually make things that are not supplements that you look on the label and it doesn't say supplement it says nutritional value they're not adding things in to boost it they're taking the real um, the real greens, the real fruits and vegetables, all organic, and then taking and getting all of the actual nutrition out of that into one scoop that you just put into a glass, stir it around and knock it back. And you don't have to have a salad or fruit or anything you don't want to have. 
You get all of the, you can still eat it if you want, but you get all of the nutrients that you need from Field of Greens. Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseGlen.com, BrickHouseGlen.com. Get 15% off your first order when you use my name, G-L-E-N-N. The better you awaits tomorrow at BrickHouseGlen.com. Offer code Glen. Because there's something about you, baby, that makes me want to give it to you. I swear there's something about you, baby. Just promise me whatever we say, whatever we do to each other. For now, we take a vow and just keep it in the closet. How did we not know with lyrics <laughs> like this? Well, How do Just open the door and you will see this passion that burns inside of me. Don't say to me, you'll never tell. Touch me there. Make the move. Cast the spell. Oh, God. I mean, I mean, it's hard to know at the time, though. I mean, maybe if he combined, he it. had an amusement park in his backyard. I know you could combine it with the, with an amusement park, and I mean, maybe if he can, you know, wrote a song called you know PYT, and it stood for Pretty Young Thing. Maybe if that was there as well, you'd right. be able to put all right. this together. Right. But other with absence of that, how could you? I mean, somewhere Jerry Lee Lewis was like, "Oh, come on, <laughs> seriously, seriously, let this guy be a star? I, I at least married my cousin." <laughs> I mean, come on. And that's the thing. Like, you know, yeah, he was a big celebrity, but this, these were accusations that existed at the time, or at least a belief and rumors at the time. I mean, it would be hard for you as a parent to justify letting your, I mean, letting your kids sleep with any I'd grown really... man that for 30 straight nights. Come on. We love to give excuses in these situations, but I, let's be honest about it. That's just nuts. I would love to talk to parents who have gone through something like this where they're like, I swear to you, yeah. I swear to you, didn't know. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Home Title Lock. Home Title Lock. What do they used to call House stealing. House stealing. <laughs> this is what they called it back in the 80s or 90s when people... It was 2000s when it really started. It was in the late mid to late 2000s. It, it, this is the strangest things. This this has been... this. Somebody just figured this out. But with like 40 bucks, you can go down, take somebody's title, sign it over to yourself under an assumed name, as long as you have fake ID, and you own their house. And if they don't figure it out, if they don't find out, if they're not alerted by it, they're going to take out money, and then you lose your house. You're up for all of the money that they lent, and it is it is a life of hell for years and years. Please get the people who are standing at that vault door who are watching your title, the only ones that can do it, Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. It's Monday. Last weekend, I was at CPAC, and I talked to mainly the youth. And I learned an awful lot, one of which is we've already lost the colleges. It's a complete write-off. Nobody thinks that we should be concentrating on the colleges, with an exception of just saving the ones that are there who are savable. But we have to look elsewhere. We have to look at the younger generation because our college kids are going into college and they are being lost one of the one of truly the best employees that we have samantha sullivan she is content and digital marketing manager at blaze media she's been with us for a while now and she's remarkable and she knows her own self she's also a christian 
But she said in this amazing article that has come out on The Blaze, uh, college professors are predatory. Here's how one almost robbed me of my faith. I read this with my jaw on the floor because her faith is so strong. What she went through in college, she will share next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. First, let me tell you about my Patriot Supply. Um, by the way, Stu, have you seen that the amount of $100 bills now far surpasses the amount of $1 bills? No, really? Yeah, all these $100 <laughs> bills are out in circulation, and nobody knows where they are. They're not in the banks or anything else, and they think it's the globe. Everyone around the globe taking $100 bills and hiding them and keeping them for themselves because... Uh, they know that the financial system is a wreck and they don't want to have anything else besides gold or $100 bills. That's nuts. I feel like the $100 bills is kind of the sucker's bet out of those two. Yeah, right? I think so, too. I think <laughs> yeah. so, too. So there's a lot of people that think that trouble is on the way. I, of course, am one of them. Please make a plan. Prepare yourself. And a practical way to start is storing food in your own home. That way, you and your family are protected in case of a weather emergency. They're getting 12 inches up in Connecticut today. 12 that's going to shut Connecticut down forever. And we didn't even talk about the, the terrible tornadoes. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, which uh, that is unbelievable from today. My Patriot Supply for your food storage. You can uh, just call them, get online, and they will help you. Preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com. Last 25 years, ready and good for any emergency. 800-200-7163. That's 800-200-7163. Or go to preparewithglenn.com. So, Sam, I was shocked that you were the author of this article. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're so strong. you I mean, I, I just look at you as a, a leader and you just are rock solid in what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. T- tell me about your college experience. So um, I pretty much was brought up a Christian my whole life, um, up until 18. And my mom didn't really worry about me very much. So when I went to college, I was very headstrong, right? I probably like gave her so many problems. She was probably so happy that I was out of the house. <laughs> get out of here. Um, and so she probably trusted me and she probably trusted the institution of higher learning. And so when I got to college, I remember it was either a reading or writing class that I had and I had it with um, a guy who was very likable. I mean, he looked like a rocker to me, and he was just so cool. And yeah. I really looked up to him, and I trusted everything he was saying. And basically, the first week out of the gate, he started telling me, like, telling the whole class, like, God is BS, and religion is BS. What was he teaching? I think it was just, I don't know the subject. I don't remember <laughs> the subject, but it was writing, right. so we were supposed to be taught how to think critically and become mm-hmm. great writers and challenge um, ideas. But with him, he was just so hell-bent that whole semester on ba- basically disparaging Christians and Christianity. And at the time I got there, you know, I say in my article, I was super naive. I was young. I was hungry to learn. My mom and my dad didn't go to college. My mom did maybe some community college. So to me, this was like a whole brand new world. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking I'm going to learn all these things and I'm looking up to these professors. And Mm -hmm. when my professor started basically dismantling my religion, I, he was very persuasive and he was very likable and he 
seems like he, he seemed like he knew what he was talking about. And so I trusted his intellect. Mm. And that semester, by the end of that semester, I was calling myself an atheist, but I didn't really, I didn't. You had gone from a Christian to an atheist, an atheist. in one semester. Yeah, in one wow. semester. And I remember that was the MySpace days. And my mom was like, what's this I see on your MySpace about you being an atheist? Because you could fill out the right. religious yeah, part. Yeah. And I just kind of, I don't even remember what I really told her. But it was about one or two years that I was convinced by this professor that God was BS. It was interesting because you said, well, there's a couple of things I took out of it. First of all, I'm going to save so much money on tuition. It's incredible <laughs> yeah, I how, no, uh, I know. how right much time. money I'm not going to spend on <laughs> yes. college for my kids. Uh, but also, you, you talked about maybe writing this anonymously yeah. at first. Mm-hmm. Why, did you th- why did you think that anonymous was the right way to go? And then eventually you wound up actually putting your name to it. I think I was ashamed and embarrassed. I think it's one of the biggest regrets that I have that I so easily denied God. And when I came back to the faith, I had a, I struggled a lot because I was like, I, I, I denied him so easily. Like, is he going, am I going to be accepted again? Am I mm. saved? Does, mm. does he still love me? And so, and as a conservative and working at the blaze, what kind of, who wants to admit that they were fooled and that they liked a liberal and that they believe their ideas? Mm. But we all have been. Yeah, we have all been duped, duped. even yeah. when even when, you know, my age, you can be duped. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really hard and hard to admit, but you have to. It's Otherwise, very... you you live a life alone and I think in darkness. Yep. And that's how I felt. I felt duped and I felt dumb. I felt really dumb. But then I started thinking about it. You know, these posi- these professors are in a position of power and authority, mm-hmm. and they wield that over their students instead of – they're basically taking advantage of their intellect, which mm-hmm. is so young at that point. You don't really know how to mm-hmm. think critically, and your brain isn't fully developed, which I mentioned in the article, your prefrontal cortex, the part that controls impulse. So when a, an argument sounds great, you're just going to – I mean, you're going to probably buy into it. And that's exactly what I did. And that's why I wanted to write it anonymously until Aaron Collin here at The Blaze, he said, don't do it. Don't write it anonymously. There are probably tons of college kids going through the same thing and sitting where you sat. And it's true because I got tons of messages afterwards. I bet. About uh, kids singled out. Yeah. I mean, it really struck me as as something, you know, as I'm ancient compared to you, uh, as something that every parent of faith needs to read because it's just, I, I, I would never think it was that overt. My, my idea of how, you know, kids go in these crazy directions as they go to college is like, you know, well, there's peer pressure and you're coming in your own. And yeah, there's this sort of subtle influence of maybe liberalism and maybe atheism throughout these colleges. I never would have thought week one, mm-hmm. a professor is saying in front of an entire class, God is BS yeah. and, ex- and explaining that in detail for a semester. That, that's eye opening to me. Yeah, that's eye opening. I will tell you that uh, Hannah went to a, a Catholic university, Fordham University. And she was taught that the Bible is nonsense and, uh, you know, not sure if Jesus was real and all of this stuff. Mm. I mean, that's insanity. And that's at a religious school. <laughs> is Can it, you, yeah, is it at it's, a religious school? No, it's not. <laughs> okay. Well, they were priests yeah, okay. that were they were Jesuits that were teaching it. Um, so there's your first problem. But it is when I was walking around CPAC, um, the the people your age that I talked to, they were all saying the same thing. College is a nightmare. It's yep. a nightmare. It's just over. You get in, it's over. Yeah. 
We need to start concentrating on the lower grades. And they're already doing that in in public school. The the left is already doing that. Um, But we've lost this last generation. What are the people who have written you this weekend said? Um, I had one who I had one girl on Twitter who had a Christian group on campus and the professor would mock her Christian group. And they would just target them and ridicule them and like hiss at them, anything that they did. And then I had Alexander write to me, um, the graphic designer here at The Blaze, and said, yeah, I was always targeted and singled out when I tried to argue with my professor Mm. about God or religion. And that's fine. Like, I'm not saying don't challenge us. But what I'm saying is at least present all of the Mm -hmm. explanations for religion. Mm -hmm. If you're going to talk about atheism, talk about people who are agnostic. Talk about Buddhism. Talk about Islam, and then just prevent the or present the evidence and let us decide. Instead, they're just teaching us a conclusion that they've already drawn. So, are 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 people in college? Are they are they just not hearing the message and will be open to the message, or are they hostile to the other message? So, I think it's two things. When I was in college, you know, there wasn't an Ali Stuckey in college, right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't a Stephen Crowder or a Ben Shapiro yet. So I wasn't hearing any conservative or alternative viewpoints. So there's that. And then there's this thing about Christians being the oppressors in this social justice mm-hmm. realm, right? Mm-hmm. So they justify discriminating against Christians by linking them to Columbus when he came over and, <laughs> you know... Uh, uh-huh introduce Christianity, and then they link it to the Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan. So anytime a Christian speaks out and says, hey, that's not right, like you're oppressing this, you're, you know, you're shutting down this person's speech, they justify it by saying, well, the Christians aren't an oppressed class, so it's okay to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's different things. There's hostility, and then there's uh, students who aren't, they're just not being reached yet. And that's why Allie is so important in her podcast and everything she does, because she's meeting these students and Ben Shapiro and Stephen Crowder are meeting these students where they are. I think that's really important. Okay. I want to take a quick break. Then I want to come back and I want to ask you about parents and what parents uh, need to know and need to do. We'll do that in just a second. First, Simply Safe, Simply Safe Home Security company that is, has been with us forever. They started with us when they had like, I don't know, six employees uh, and uh, they were run, I think, out of their uh, out of their home, uh, one of their homes. And they started with us and they have just grown and grown and grown. And now they have they're they're the fastest growing security company in uh, North America. They have three million people. It was just last year when they were only covering two million people. It's now three million people, their homes and their businesses. And they do it without contracts, without any games, without any pressure points. You own the system. And the 24-7 monitoring is only fourteen ninety nine a month. No contracts, no strings attached. Business done the right way. So you can protect your family, your business, your home. Simply safe simplysafebeck.com go there now simplysafebeck.com 10 second station id so uh, we're talking to uh, samantha sullivan she's a content and digital marketing manager of blaze tv one of the most impressive 20-somethings I have met um, coming through the blaze. 
Uh, and shocking to me that she said and she wrote an, an op-ed uh, this weekend at the at the blaze that she lost her faith for a while. Because you were actually right, almost robbed me of my faith. But mm-hmm. you write in there, you're, you're 18 years old when this happens. Mm-hmm. And in, at the, you write later on, eventually at the age of 20. So, yeah. I mean, this was two years of your life where this mm-hmm. really kind of w- did work yeah. to rob you of your faith. Yeah. So, first, before we go to what parents should know, tell me what brought you back to the faith. Basically, I was spiritually dead for like one or two years. And I was just hanging out with terrible people and my life wasn't really on track to where it should have been and you know i was going out a lot and there's binge drinking and everything um and so i wish i had like this grand explanation but i just woke up one day and i went back to church and i remember just bawling my eyes out during worship because i just felt so ashamed that how could i have denied god for two whole years and i was just completely ashamed and so it was just, I just had a moment one day and I just woke up and I went back. And ever mm. since then, I just kind of couldn't believe who I was for those two years. Mm. Boy, how lucky. Because it seems like as a parent, at least like you're, you try to do everything right. It seems like your parents mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you set this foundation, you get the person, you know, your kid to this point where you think they're going to be able to handle themselves in this situation. Yeah. And you can't, you can't internalize the pressure of, uh, and, and, and how that feels. For someone at that age who's not, whose brain isn't even fully formed to be able to deal with that. That is terrifying. Glad you've gone through mm-hmm. it 9,000 times. I have. It's uh, awful. That is te- that's terrifying. So tell me what a parent needs to, a parent needs to know. I think they need to know what's happening in their child's life when they go to college and understand that just because we're 18 and we're on our own and we're supposed to be like this adult now, mm-hmm. that we still need our parents as much as any other time in our life. And it, I don't blame my mom at all. I think she just thought I was this independent person and I was strong and she didn't have to worry about me. And she, you know, she worked a lot. She, I have like four brothers and I think she just trusted me and she trusted the institution. So I think sadly parents, you can't trust these institutions anymore. It's not about being an intellectual or challenging ideas anymore. It's about indoctrinating people to this liberal agenda. I mean, in my, in my piece, it's, I, um, talk about how Republican Republicans are outnumbered by Democrats, like 70 to one. So I think just being aware of that and checking in with your, you know, your child while they're at college and seeing what they're learning, learning about their professors, too. I mean, you can go on Twitter and social media and find out exactly who they are now. So what, if anything, could your your parents have done for you to prepare you to walk into that lion's den? <sighs> That's hard. Um, I think my mom could have been, it was just her on her own. So I'm not sure exactly what she could have done differently. Um, I would have to ask her now. I never really talked about this to anyone. right? Until this? No. mm -mm. Every time I shared my testimony with like my Christian friends or church groups, I skipped over the professor part. I just told... That's the most powerful part. I know. And I would just tell them, oh, I just fell away from the faith for like one or two years. And then I came back and, you know, felt ashamed that I did that or denied him. Mm -hmm. So I never really talked to her about it. Has she read the article? Yeah, she has. And has she written or called you? She's... I mean, she's kind of texted me and said that was good. And, you know, I sent it to my in-laws too. And she's like, wow, that is amazing and my husband read it and he was he went to Stephen f austin in nacogdoches and 
his experience was just the polar opposite. Like he didn't see all the stuff that I saw going to UT El Paso or the University of North Texas. So I think they're all kind of shocked in a way. Well, I mean, you know, look, the good, the upside is if the university is going to take faith away from your kid, at least you're not paying tens of thousands of dollars a year to send them there. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that, that would really be a kick in the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. I am, uh, I have uh, a son who is uh, challenging and, uh, <laughs> uh, and Interesting uh, he has questions about God mm-hmm. and I've taken the the maybe the contrary route than what everybody else would take i uh i've taken the uh, route of he said to me you know dad i don't know if i believe in god and i've said good good i mean he believes in you but that's that's cool that you don't believe in him <laughs> now it's your job to find out you can't just say i don't believe in god tell me why you don't tell me uh, that you've gone on a real search and you've actually turned over every stone. And I think even even kids that say they believe in God need to be challenged with their mm-hmm. faith in the home. Yeah. So if the parents are throwing them up against the wall a bit going, you know what? Why do you believe that? Why do you? Th- I mean, this could be total nonsense. And challenging them and preparing them so they've already done the mental gymnastics on this topic. Hmm. Because I think if you go to college and you've only heard one side, that other side, especially when it's presented by a cool uh, uh, professor that you really respect and he's in a high position, your parents are just your parents, all of a sudden they're going to present new things and new thoughts and you th- you'll think my parents didn't know about this my parents had no idea and i got this from my dad because i was humble enough to ask my dad questions in my 30s and my dad i could talk to him about einstein i could talk to him about emmanuel kant i could talk to him about anything my dad was a baker i had no idea but my father had gone through the same thing that everybody goes through a time of searching and as soon as I realized with him, oh, my gosh, he has searched all these. My opinion of him changed. He wasn't just my dad, who's a baker. He was a, a deep thinking individual who had turned on, uh, turned over all the stones himself. And I think that's critical. You know, people were really negative on the parents in the movie The Village. But honestly, I think they had something down there. Oh. <laughs> if you kind of drag them into a field and tell them there's no technology, yeah. this stuff all goes away. All we have to do is just find somebody that's strong enough to make sure that the government doesn't fly any planes over our field. And we're set. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate thank you guys. it. The story's up on theblaze.com, by the way. Uh, you should read it if you're a parent. Any parent of faith uh, absolutely should read this story because it's and pass it on to pass it on to your children. Uh, as well i think Stu, do you remember the day i said on the air i turned the mic and i said glenn beck just ended his career today (laughs) yeah it's because i admitted to somebody to the audience something i had never admitted before in my life they didn't know that i was an alcoholic or anything and uh and it was the day that i realized oh my gosh i'm not alone and I think the same thing is probably already happening with you. Yeah. That people are reaching out and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've been hiding something. But so many people think this way. And that's 
That's the key. That was the key to the 912 project. You're not alone. Start saying these things and you'll notice, oh, my gosh, I'm surrounded. I'm in a sea of people who feel the same way. This is a good setup to your uh, tr- story about transition that we have coming up next week. Uh, Glenn's going to be transitioning to uh, a new to a male. Yeah, we are. <laughs> to a male. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's not go too far. Yeah, somewhere okay. in between. Male is 57 choices. Pick one in between. Yeah. I mean, we're not going <laughs> male-esque. Is where we're going to land. All right. Sam, thank Thanks you so much. Thank you, guys. Back in just a second. <laughs> You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. A leading social media company will end a market research program and proactively take its VPN app off its app stores now. Gee, I wonder which I wonder I wonder which app that was. It was offering the free VPN for hmm, I don't know. For college kids and and, uh, and youth. Everything will be fine, Glenn. Don't worry about it. I'd be fine. So they were just doing that so they could uh, get your kids to give them more information. That's it. And it was on a virtual private network, a VPN, virtual private network. Those are designed to stop people from gathering information about you. So if you want to go online and you don't want all these companies to know everything about you or just to gather all the information, you have to have a VPN. Now, who do you trust? The one company that we've trusted for a long time for internet security, Norton. Go to norton.com slash VPN. Sign up now. You download the app. You put the password in once and you're online. Norton.com slash VPN. Join Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash Beck. Here's mentioned Stephen Crowder and Ali Stuckey. They're both on Blaze TV. You can get them for your kids. Blazetv.com slash Beck. I'm going to go Greg in South Carolina. Hello, Greg. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Good morning, Glenn. It's, uh, they say God works in mysterious ways. I come out the VA and get in my car, and I, you know, to turn the car on, and the radio is already set to the talk station, and you're on. And and the topic that you and that young lady was talking about, I just went through this weekend. I have a 21-year-old that's in college who recently told me, Dad, I want to have fun. Um, I don't believe in God. Um, um, uh, that whole King James Bible thing is gone. I'm going to drink, smoke, do drugs, and there's nothing that anybody can do. And I'm, I'm trying to understand, again, graduated eighth in his class. He's going to graduate, uh, get his bachelor's a year early. He's in the National 50 in the National Guards. I'm like, wait a minute, what, how, who, what? And, and, and I was, I'm, I'm just, I'm floored. I don't understand where it came from, and I'm, you know, trying to, piece together what went wrong. I mean, he's number four of five children from 33 down to my 16-year-old that's still at home. And it rocked my world so bad that I'm having to reevaluate myself as a father to what I'm going to do for these last two years for a 16-year-old. And I thought my sons and daughters had everything that they needed. I thought the foundation that I built for them was solid enough for them to withstand, not just liberalism, but whatever they would go through. Because, again, they sat with me day after day, talk radio. We talked about conservatism. We talked about wealth, money management. And more importantly, we talked about faith in God. And he's only in his third year in college, and it seems like I've lost him. And excuse me for getting emotional, but it hurts 
because it makes me seem like somewhere I either missed something or I failed. Okay, Greg, there is a reason why you were listening today. And let me help see if, uh, let me see if I can help you through some of this. First of all, you didn't fail. Um, if you've done everything you know, you didn't fail. Many times children will divorce themselves from the parents and say, I don't want any of that stuff, but life changes them. Um, and sometimes they sow their wild oats and it uh, is something that comes back and bites them. If you have done all you can, you now have to trust the Lord to do the rest of it um, and continue to love to love him. Um, let me uh, let me give you this one piece, and I hope this helps. You lost one out of four. The Lord lost a third of his children. If you look at the war in heaven and the angels uh, that were up in heaven, they broke away and went with Lucifer. He lost a third. Now you think you failed. How do you think God looked at that? God, God's God. We know God did everything right. We knew God was. How could you break away a third of the angels who knew God, who saw God, who, who understood it all? And I am convinced, Greg, the argument that happened, the war in heaven, I think was more of a war of, war of words. The war in heaven is exactly what we are going through right now. And everyone is susceptible to this because of their heart and their free will. Listen, if, if you were an angel in, in heaven... And I tried to get you away from the creator, God, the omnipotent, the, the all-loving, uh, all-kind. How do you do that? Well, I have, to, I have to flip the story of him. And I think the easiest way to do it is in the war in heaven. Okay, as they're coming up with, how do we, how, how, what are we going to do with these humans? What are we going to do? How are we going to send them down? We'll create humans. And how are they going to come back up here? And how are they going to be with their, their father in heaven? Well, there's one plan. And the one plan is, look, uh, there's going to be lots of suffering and misery and disease and everything else. And I'm going to take that all away. I'll take it all. You just Everybody just go down there, follow me. And do exactly what I say, and then you'll come back, and everything will be fine. Jesus says, no, you know what? There's another way. Let everybody go down there and find it for themselves. Let them go and have free will and be themselves and discover it, because if they discover it themselves through the pain, they're going to be strong enough to come back. And anybody who needs to be washed clean, I'll take on the suffering as well. Lord picks that one. Now, if you're one of the angels, you are listening to uh, Satan, and Satan would stand up very calmly and say, okay, let me, let me tell you a little bit about Dad here. Let me talk a little bit about the guy that we have all worshipped at. He is saying that he knows that humans are going to suffer. He knows there's misery beyond your understanding, disease, temptation, war, 
famine, pain, suffering, death, aloneness. There's all of these things that are going to happen, and he's fine with it. And those who, who are maybe too messed up to come home, he's saying, I'm going to send my favorite son down, and I'm going to put him through all of that, and then they're going to nail him to a tree. Wow, Dad, thanks a lot. Now think of this. Because this is the same argument that is being used for socialism. The same people that are skewing perhaps your son in college are doing the same thing. First of all, fun all the time. Second of all, socialism. I I mean, listen, you know what the capitalists are doing? You know what people are saying? They're saying that you should go down and live your life in a world that is unfair, where 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 people who are unfair knowingly they are going to stop you because of their bias there's it's things are going to be so unequal some will have so much money they won't know what to do with others are going to have nothing and they're going to starve to death some people who are really smart are never going to make it because they're the wrong gender they're the wrong they're the wrong uh uh, uh color or they're just not popular enough. They don't have another set of skills and they're never going to make it and they're going to waste away. People are going to be lonely and hungry. And what does the government say? The government says, let them be hungry. Let them be, let them be alone. Let them stumble. Let them fall because through their pain, they'll learn and it's their own free will. And a socialist will say, Really? That's your compassionate government. That's your constitutional compassion. And you want to restrain us, the government? All we're saying is the government should be required to do some things for some people. And you want to restrain us. Greg, the same thing that your son went through and is lost and i pray temporarily is the same thing that the third of the angels went through and the lord lost a third and they ain't coming back but hopefully your son will if god couldn't keep all of his children how could we be expected to Greg, I pray for you, I pray for your son, and I ask the audience to do the same. Keep your chin up, brother. You did what you had to do. You did what you did. Now love him while he's on another path. Isn't that everybody's worst nightmare? Just worst nightmare. Especially when you think you, you know, you've done everything right. right? You've worked hard. You haven't. I know a lot of people who have done so many things right and their kids go wrong. I've, I know people who have done so much wrong and their kids go right. I mean, it is, it is a little control. bit of a crapshoot. Yeah, you yeah. can't micromanage it. That's why it's I stopped free having kids will. 
two is enough. I mean, if you get into that number where you're like nine or ten of them, one of them is definitely going to like be a serial killer. It's almost, yeah, it's almost that's why I was trying to increase sure. the odds. I was like, you know, if I have ten, maybe one of them will go right. Ah, that's, yeah. that's a so far, about so far, I'm betting a thousand though. I'm, I'm betting a thousand. Um, uh, LifeLock recently, 127 million records were stolen from eight companies. Every day, there's another one of these stories. Every day, there's another one. Every freaking day, another one of these companies gets hacked, and all your information gets dumped on the internet. It's just amazing. Yeah, but this one's only 127 million, so only half the country. Oh, that's not bad. You know, that's, that's not bad. That's no big deal. No big deal. Records were stolen from breached companies, and they contain everything. Social security number, bank records, absolutely everything. Your name could be one of them. I, I need you to call lifelock.com right now. Use the promo code back. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com. Use the promo code back. What you're going to get is a team that is working around the clock for you. Now, nobody can monitor all transactions at all businesses and everything else. But let's say your name is one of the 127 million that has just been breached. LifeLock, once your name is starting to be used to open up accounts or anything else, LifeLock's going to be all over that. They're going to alert you and say, hey, did you open this? No, I didn't. Okay, we're on it. They have a team of specialists here in America that work to fix the problem, and that is worth the price of admission alone. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK. LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK. You can save 10% at 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Let's go to Rhonda in North Carolina. Hello, Rhonda. Hi, Glenn. What's up? How are you? Hi, I'm so glad to speak to you. I love oh, the, you're coming in on my phone and not on my radio. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I love, I love, I love women from the Carolinas because they always just sound so nice. They could tell you off and use every nasty word in the in the language, and yet you'd still they'd follow it with, "Would you like some sweet tea?" And it just sounds yeah. so pleasant. So how are we? Could tell you to go to we could tell you to go to the devil, and you look forward to the trip. That's exactly right. So what's up, Rhonda? <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to tell you about our experience. It's kind of the same but different. Um, my son went to a college here in North Carolina, and um, he went into uh, broadcasting. Uh, funny. but uh, So he goes into school, and, of course, you know, as a freshman, he's going to take every easy course he can. So he comes up and looks and says, oh, Mom, look, introduction to Christianity. I was raised in the mm-hmm. church. I went to Christian school all my life. This will mm-hmm. be easy. Mm-hmm. So. He takes the course, and immediately the professor starts telling, teaching things that are really not um, kind of like what your your writer had gone through. And she, mm-hmm. he was teaching exact opposite. So he's coming home, but mom, this is what he's saying, and this, this, and I argue with him in class all the time, and it's it's just not fun. I'm not enjoying it. It's not what I thought it would be. So then, uh, for the end of the year, he had to write his thesis. Well, he chose Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. which was sticking a finger in his eye, in the professor's eye. The professor gives him an F, not just for the paper, but the whole course. Holy cow. And he said, he said that the, the, the reason he did that was because there have been new writings and new research, and it turns out Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't really a true story anymore. Mm-hmm. That, that was, it's been disproven. So he gave my son an F. So we go to the uh, chaplain. We had met the chaplain at the school. We go to him, and he says, hey, uh, show me what has he taught you all year. So we showed him so many of the, the, the teachings, and the dean looked at it. The chaplain took it to the dean, and the dean said these were not approved. They have to, from what I hear, they have to submit their uh, teachings, what they're going to cover, 
to the dean, and the dean has to approve them. And if they go off topic, then it's not not good. So long story short, they told my son, look, he gave you an ad, but we can't really um, let you take it over. But what we can do is remove the F and let you take the course again for a different professor. So although we had to pay the summer school, he went, he took Christianity. He made a B in it. Probably could have made more, but, you know, it was summer. I will and, tell you, Rhonda, that is, uh, that's an amazing story, and I don't think that happens at every university. I think you're... You're lucky it's just, that let me see, it's, got to, it's got to be parental involvement. You can't just sit there and go, oh, well, you made an F, better luck next time. Parents have got to be involved with the colleges. They've got to call. They've got to go up there and look at the people in the eye and say, what's happening here? Yeah. You can't just talk about They're not the new babysitters. Yeah. Uh, Rhonda, thank you so much for your phone call. The other thing you need to do is uh, is know who your professors are. There's so much information now on professors and knowing what that course is about, knowing what that professor teaches and as i have always said i i really i don't mind a teacher or a professor teaching the opposite of what i believe as long as they also teach what i believe and as that way i'm i'm forced to look at both sides and i want a credible argument on all sides that's how you teach critical thinking, and that's what our universities used to do, and they're not anymore. By the way, I want to tell you that our hearts and our prayers are with uh, the people in Lee County, Alabama. Uh, it was horribly devastating, the tornadoes that have ripped through uh, Alabama this weekend. We um, have our uh, teams there from Mercury One, our partner City Impact is already on the ground ha- helping the families that are impacted. Um, we have a recon team searching for uh, survivors along with the Emergency Operations Center. We are sending cooking items, truckloads of water, hygiene, diapers, everything else. We are working on the ground with church communities to care for the people and comfort those who have lost loved ones. If you would like to help, we sure need your help. You can go to mercuryone.org and click on the humanitarian and disaster relief page and donate. We need your help and support for the people that were just devastated uh, by these horrific tornadoes that happened in Alabama. And if you would like to get involved, uh, please go to mercuryone.org, click on the Humanitarian Disaster Relief page, and make a donation. Every penny helps. Every single penny. But your thoughts and prayers are welcome and needed as well. First, I want to tell you about American financing. If you already own a home, uh, you you might want to start thinking about refinancing right now. According to new data, more than half a million homeowners could lower their mortgage rates uh, by doing a refi right now. So rates are still on decline, sitting at a nine-month low. It can take a 10-minute phone call from the salary-based mortgage consultants at American Financing to learn more about this. You can get started now with a free mortgage pre-qualification 
from those salary-based mortgage consultants. They have an A-plus rating with the BBB and over 2,500 Google reviews. They never charge upfront fees like some lenders charge, you know, $500 just to qualify. And you can utilize every single loan. Right now is the time to do this. They will customize a loan that is right for you and your family. Call American Financing today at 800-906-2440 or go to AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net. I mean, that's part of the American dream, right? Owning your home and actually being able to pay for it. Is it? That's what it's always been, right? No, that's that what it was. Now? No, that's what it was uh, changed to in the 1930s with the New Deal. The original New Dream, or American Dream, next. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. It's Monday. Today, I want to start with the American dream. What is it? Most people think it's been lost. But what has been lost? What defines the American dream? I was at CPAC this weekend where they were where the question was, what is it that makes America great? A lot of different answers. I didn't hear anyone talk about the American dream in its original context. We do that in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I tell you, it is really important for all of us right now to be prepared for a natural disaster or a national disaster or global meltdown. I have encouraged my children, uh, I encourage you to have physical gold and silver on hand. And Goldline has just released the 2019 version of the legal tender bar. Now, it contains 10 individual, one-tenth of an ounce, uh, 99.999% pure gold bullion legal tender bars. So it's it's now in a little barter case that slides open and you have easy access for use and it's made to barter one tenth of a gold coin originally designed for everyday carry in a purse in a wallet in a backpack. It makes sure that you have something available immediately in case there is a crisis. Every bar is legal tender and guaranteed by the Royal Canadian Mint for its weight and purity. And because of the purity, you can even add these bars to your IRA. With unprecedented levels of U.S. debt, uncertainty linked to Brexit, trade wars, stock market volatility, an impending uh, recession, may I, may I please urge you to uh, get a hedge against insanity a hedge against instability, a hedge against chaos. It's Goldline. Call them now. one goldline Read their important risk, risk information. Find out if gold or silver is right for you. Ask them about their legal tender bar. It is Goldline at one goldline or goldline.com. Uh, there's a new book out called Alienated America, Why Some Places Thrive and Others Collapse. And it was uh, written by uh, Tim Carney. 
And he is a visiting fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, where he works on uh, competition, cronyism, civil society, localism, and religion in America. Again, the new book is called Alien, uh, Alienated America. Tim, welcome to the program. Uh, Thanks for having me, Glenn. I, I want to talk to you about the American dream. The American dream was... Uh, was first really uh, codified, if you will, uh, in a book. I'm trying to remember what it was called, America's Progress or something. Um, and it was during the the FDR administration and the New Deal. And that's when the American dream was made into, you know, your own house, et cetera, et yep. cetera. Before that, what was the American dream? I think Alexis de Tocqueville probably should have come up with that term because he was the one who described it. He wrote Democracy in America, mm-hmm. you know, 200 years ago, and he described that what made America so unique and special was the way that we're constantly uh, dividing off and creating lots of little platoons. That was Edmund Burke's term for it. We're always making new associations. We have local governments that have real powers. We're starting little churches, little groups, whether it's sports or civic or uh, an alumni association or veterans association those things are the american dream the ability to sort of access uh, your neighbors to connect to people to get a sense of purpose and a, your own private safety net almost through these little organizations that you join by choice but kind of rope you in and you stick to those that is the American dream, civil society, not necessarily government and not necessarily individualism, but something in between. So what's happened to that? Well, it's eroded for sure, and particularly among the working class and the middle class. So Robert Putnam, who's a liberal sociologist, he wrote a book that was really good back in 2000 called Bowling Alone. A lot of you probably heard of that. And he said, look, Americans aren't connecting as much. And so what I did in Alienated America was I looked at, is that particularly affecting the working class? And sure enough, in uh, especially in rural America and parts of suburban America, there's fewer churches. There are fewer organizations bringing people together. More and more people sort of have they're an individual connected to the government or connected to sort of they, their only little platoon, sort of, so to speak, or a political party they belong to or something. And so through all sorts of factors, whether and we should talk about them, technology, government, uh, all, secularization, People are not as well connected to these little institutions that are so crucial to the good yeah, life. I remember when I was growing up, uh, there was the Moose Lodge and the Elks Club and, you know, the Rotary Club. And and my dad was a member of like all of those things. And, you know, you would you would go to all of these different events and they were all connected to local people and they were your friends and 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 neighbors. And it's not just, yeah, and they're not just nice things. They're really important is what I try to argue here. What do you mean? So people who are less connected, who belong to fewer organizations, um, the the data I put throughout the book is there's lower uh, life expectancy. They're less likely to get married, and these women are more likely to have children out of wedlock. Even economically, one of the things I do in Alienated America is I compare Pittsburgh, which is doing pretty well right now, even Mm -hmm. after the collapse of the steel industry, to parts of rural Pennsylvania, which are not doing very well at all. And I argue that one of the big differences is that Pittsburgh had all these institutions. They had museums and parks and the little neighborhoods. Here's Mm -hmm. the Italian Catholic neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Here's Squirrel Hill, the Jewish neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That allowed people to get through the downtime still with 
good education, the schools were kept better, people were kept from Skid Row, marriages were kept together, so that when the economy swung back, that was a good place to start up a business. And so you're, you're actually more likely to die of drug overdoses if you live in a place that has fewer of these organizations you're talking about. So where is the place where the American dream is the healthiest? It's healthiest in two different types of places. One, it's the elite circles. They actually they practice what we conservatives preach. You go to, I start in the village of Chevy Chase, but you go to, that's in Maryland, you go to all sorts of these places where everybody has a college degree, and guess what? They finish school, get a job, get married, have kids, coach Little League, and get involved in their kids' schools and all that. But there's only going to be so many of those elite places, right? The more important one are strong church communities. Go to Mormon, Utah. Go to Dutch Reform in western Michigan, like Holland, Michigan. I go to a village called Oostburg in Wisconsin. I spent a few days at the diner counter there, and it was just amazing. The biggest complaints people had is that the Christmas concert at the high school, it was too packed because all the neighbors, even the ones without kids in the schools, were there to see this Christmas concert. And what do they find? They have all the good outcomes that the elites have about more marriage, less out-of-wedlock birth, less drug overdose, less college dropout. So that's the most important thing. There's a church on the cover of Alienated America because this is about church is the fundamental institution of civil society in America. And so efforts to drive it out of the public square, which you saw in the Obama administration, that's real. you can't do that and also love the working class and the middle class. So the, where is it the worst it's it's worse in well for two generations we've seen lots of inner city neighborhoods have these problems a lot of people would talk about the decline of the the family the you know present fathers in among inner city black families a lot of that same thing is going on in parts of rural america and what happened was these were places that had these institutions but only a few of them and then when an economic shock hit like the steel mill shuts down outside of pittsburgh there wasn't enough of a safety net of these things and so a few of the families got up and left and the diner shuts down and then not enough people are going to the church and it shuts down and the people who are left don't have those connections they don't have the 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 safety net the sense of support the modeling the advice that these that all these little organizations uh provide us so a lot of where it's getting worse the most now are frankly the places that rallied to trump the earliest when he said the american dream was dead and the elites didn't buy it there were people who said yeah come to my town we're still trying to piece together our fish fries and a memorial day parade but it's getting harder and harder to do it our community bonds are crumbling and they and many people think it's because of economics but you make the point that the american dream has nothing to do with economics well economics is a factor but again the the key those great towns i was talking about in utah or oostburg wisconsin they've got middle class economics but what they have are again really strong churches they've got the the rotary clubs and the swim clubs and that sort of thing where the american dream seems dead you can't just look at places that had economic uh struggles you have to look at places where even if the closing factory was the first domino the thing that's killer is when people lose their local diner, their local library, and most importantly, again, their local church. So I want to I want to emphasize this again. There's an effort on the left to drive churches out of the public square to say you guys can't be involved in charity, in adoption, in education, and if you do that, you are killing the middle class. Because throughout American history, 
the church has been the fundamental institution of civil society for the middle class and the working class. All right. Back in just a second. Uh, more with Timothy P. Cartney, um, the author of Alienated America. Uh, he traveled coast to coast and tried to figure out what is happening in America and what's happening with the American dream. And he's come he's come back with some really good research. Alienated America. We'll continue in a minute. I'll point out to it a third area where the American dream is live and well is every town featured in a Hallmark Christmas movie. There, no matter what the economics are, everyone's coming together right. for the big Christmas yeah. spectacular. Yeah, my mother-in-law is in town, and we've spent a lot of time watching Hallmark movies. Oh, and, good. Uh, man, they're good. They're good. They're, they're really good. They are. They are. They're, they are. Really good. Bring right. America together. Let me tell you about Liberty Liberty <laughs> Safe. Uh, when you buy one a uh, Liberty Safe, make sure you buy one of their big, beautiful Liberty Safes because you're going to be shocked at how much you have to put into a Liberty Safe. Um, you have your passports and your emergency cash. If you have any medication, you want to make sure that nobody gets your hands their hands on stuff that is either dangerous guns, medication. Uh, or really important. And we have seen Liberty safes, safes stand up against the California wildfires where nothing, literally nothing but the chimney and the Liberty Safe are standing in the home mm-hmm. for blocks. And it's amazing to see. You open those things up and they still have all the papers and they're all good. They've invented some new fire seal and everything else. They've really upgraded these Liberty Safes and changed with the, with new technology. We've also seen them picked up by tornadoes and dropped three blocks away and they're still intact. It is the best built safe in America, bar none. It's Liberty Safe. And now you can get them on sale at your local Cabela's. And, of course, you can always find the latest promotions and latest sales at LibertySafe.com. Check out the video on the top of their uh, Facebook page. It will be the best thing you watch all day. Really, it really will. It's strangely entertaining. Liberty Safe, the best built safes on the planet. See all their deals now at LibertySafe.com. Ten seconds, station ID. I was joking before the break that the Hallmark Christmas towns are the perfect place where all, all these things come true. And I wonder if the popularity of the of that is associated with what uh, Tim's talking about here, which is, you know, like there's this there's an urge. There's a there's a thirst to find that wonderful, you know, put a smile on it hometown community. Mm-hmm. And it's been lost in so many areas of the country. I wonder if that's kind of one of the ingredients that makes them make 37 of those every single year. I think that's a great idea. I mean, because this is a real thing that people remember and people need. One of the things I, I say throughout the book is man is a political animal that, or a social animal, you can say if you want. But that doesn't mean we are supposed to be lobbying and always talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Trump, etc. It means mm-hmm. that we're supposed to shape the world around us, not just go off and live our own lives, but shape the world around us. But the way that most of us do that is through volunteering, through being part of the swim club, maybe through going to the local government or being on the PTA. But with access to less and less of that stuff, that's when people turn more towards uh, the central government. But when you're talking about these movies, people are like, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if you had next-door neighbors who could watch your kid if you have to run out for a second? That happens still in a lot of America, but so much of the country finds themselves 
alienated in these places where they don't have just those very simple safety nets and, and sense of purpose. Well, a lot of people will make fun of those very towns that they claim they want. I, I live in the summer for a month or so in this uh, this little town in in Idaho, and I love it. I love the people there. I love, you know, you walk into a grocery store and um, and you're you're just surrounded by people who know everybody and are talking in the middle of the grocery store and helping each other out. It's a, a small town of like 500 people and it's just fantastic. But you bring somebody in from a city and they'll be like, really? I mean, how far is it to, you know, whatever they're looking for? They'll make fun of those same towns where they where they actually pine for what it feels like. And they make fun of the idea that that personal level connectedness really matters, especially here in Washington, D.C., where I live. People think, well, no, what matters is simply the economics. And on the left, you have a lot of people say, oh, they ju- what people need is just, uh, you know, more money. Give it to them through a welfare check. And some people on the right say, well, no, if you're if you're uh, if you're getting nostalgic about your hometown, you're not thinking, you know, ruthless economic efficiency enough or rugged individualism. But these things matter. <laughs> And again, one of the points I make in Alienated America is that a lot of the elites are living these like 1960s lifestyles in really strong, small towns, but everybody has a college degree and an advanced degree, Mm -hmm. but they don't realize how valuable that is. They think it's through their own accomplishments that they, you know, that their kids are turning out well, that their life is satisfying on a day-to-day basis. They don't realize that the key to the good life are these strong communities for a lot of people built around making it easier to raise kids up uh, to to have success in, in life and, and generally be happy. And so meanwhile, they don't think it matters that their policies can be destroying a lot of these small towns around the country because they say, oh, no, the GDP is higher and we have a bigger safety net, so everybody should be better off. Guess what? You'll look at the numbers on local level. You know there's tons of places in America where not everything is going fine. Are these the same towns that are struggling the most with the uh with the churches closing, et cetera, et cetera. Are these the towns that have the highest uh, rates of suicide and drug addiction? Absolutely. That you can, if you look at where, and again, the, the front of the book has a, has a shuttered church. If you look at where that sort of thing is happening, it's got, it's got all the worst outcomes on drug addiction, out-of-wedlock birth, Men dropping out of the labor force is another thing. A lot of times you think, oh, well, that means that they're, they're injured. Well, there's a lot of evidence that people drop out of the labor force, and part of their illness, part of their disability is almost a sense of despair because you can feel pointless if you don't mm-hmm. have real human connections. And in my life, when I go to church, there's somebody who, when I know when she's waving me over after Mass, I know it's because she has a new job for me. Sometimes we try to avoid that person, but guess what? Having a sense of purpose in life is absolutely crucial to staying happy and healthy. I'm interested, Tim. You know, there's been a lot of talk in conservative circles about uh, you know the work of Orrin Cass, and it's sort of popularized mm-hmm. recently. Uh, you know, by one particular Tucker Carlson rant on yep. Fox News. Do you do you find that analysis appealing of of the way the right has looked at economic figures and sort of made them God, or is it is it more complicated than that? 
I, I think that one part you just noted there is exactly right, that too often we try to make, A, the answer is economic growth, and we try to find all the explanations in pure economic numbers. That was why, for alienated America, not only did I have to go to places, but I found the studies that look at the difference between, you know, Fayette County and Allegheny County. That's those, there's a lot of social science that digs below the surface and looks at that. I, I have disagreements with, with Tucker and Orrin Cass on, um, you know, what the solutions are, just because mm-hmm. I distrust government solutions mm-hmm. to help it. When the problem is, is the erosion of community, centralizing power cannot fix that problem. So any federal law to fix this, I'm going to be very skeptical. In the last chapter, I have some, here's solution stuff, but on the federal government, it's all kind of thou shalt not command. It's, yeah. The government should stop doing these things that kill civil society. And then there's still a lot more work to do after that. But as far as what Washington can do, I don't think it can help. You're not going to have a federal department of stronger uh, uh, Knights of Columbus or anything like that. So what is the, because, you know, if it, if it really kind of boils down to the churches going out and et cetera, et cetera, what is it that, what is it that towns can do and churches can do? Well, the the first thing is, again, on the church front, um, realize that a lot of the suffering is the fault of the mismanagement of these institutions. I'm a Catholic, and I know that my church Mm -hmm. has driven a lot of people away by not facing squarely its own problems. But then also realizing that you have to be institutions of civil society. If you're a religious organization, if you're a club, if you're something, you can't just think, all right, we've got members and we're going to take care of them. The wider community needs you to get out there and do something. And maybe that means hosting a potluck where you donate, people donate just what they can and you're welcoming in both the, the hungry, the poor, the wealthy, the people who desperately need a connection. There needs to be something of a, a real revival religiously but also civically, just a sort of great awakening of you have a duty to serve your neighbor. It's not the government's duty. The government can't do it well, and it's not your other neighbor's duty. It's your duty. If you have the time, and even if you feel like you don't, this is what you got to do. This is my, my big hope with Alienated America is to spur people to say, you know what? I'm going to build another institution like this. I'm going to make sure that our swim club actually is a real community hub serving the needs of the families or the individuals in my area. And it's got to be done one person at a time. Timothy P. Cartney, uh, uh, Carney, he is, um, you're able to follow him on Twitter, at T.P. Carney. And the name of the book is Alienated America, Why Some Places Thrive While Others Collapse. Um, great insight. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks, Tim. You bet. Back in just a minute with more. You're listening to Glenn Beck. You know, if you're in constant pain, uh, you're not alone. That is the most important thing. You can feel like, geez. Is it, is it just me? Am I all by myself in this? I can't live this way any longer. For you, that's true, but not for other reasons, I think. You know. <laughs> 50 million people miss work due to pain. And those people spend about $2,000 a year to combat their pain. And 66% plan on living the rest of their life in pain. Pain is an epidemic in America. 
I started taking Relief Factor, and it has helped me a great deal. I've taken it every day, three days uh, or three uh, three times a day, every day for the last year plus. Hundred percent drug drug free, created by doctors. Try their three week quick start. If it works for you, your pain is gone or greatly lessened. If it doesn't, you're out 20 bucks, but try it for three weeks. It's so worth it. ReliefFactor.com. Join Blaze TV at BlazeTV.com slash Beck. If you use the promo code Beck, you're going to save 10 bucks, which will help your personal GDP. So do that now. This is the Glenn Beck program. I was out at uh, CPAC uh, this weekend, and I talked to a lot of people, just attendees, Uh, sitting in different conferences and listening to people talk. And there are two things that um, I thought were were pretty much a consensus people thought were absolutely vital to the point of a national emergency, and that is socialism and abortion, and not necessarily in that order. Um, I heard over and over again, we're no longer talking about abortion. We're talking about infanticide. What has happened to us? It can seem pretty overwhelming, but I saw kind of against uh, my own better judgment. I saw a movie in advance, um, and I don't like to see these with the filmmakers because in case they really suck, I actually have to tell them they really suck. Um, And I don't like being that position. Um, I saw the movie Unplanned. Stu saw it with me, and it is fantastic. It is the time... Uh, it is the film for the time. Uh, and halfway through, it gave me such hope. And I was really a spiritual feeling came over me that this is the time. And we may see the end of abortion uh, in my lifetime, uh, if not sooner. Um, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Konzelman are the producers and writers and producers of Unplanned. They happen to be in the studio with us now. Hi, guys. How are you? Very good, Glenn. Very good. Very pleased to be here. I, I'm I'm thrilled to have you guys on. First of all, um, great movie. You um, didn't go the usual route of Christian films and make a film that is just preaching to the choir. I felt this is one I could take my non-Christian friends to. Um, you know, Christians aren't always the heroes and the and the person that want you know doesn't believe in God isn't always the villain. Um, and you actually start out by showing some of these people who are screaming at these girls going in for abortions, and they're you know their their intent is to stop abortions and their intent is good, but their their style is not good. And you actually in the first few minutes, take these guys on and make them kind of villains in a way. It's real life. It's unfortunately, that's where the uh, pro-life started. Yeah. People thought by screaming murder or baby killer that people would stop. It had the opposite reaction. It was, yeah. it was a really, it, it was, it was well-intentioned, but you know, uh, some, as, as Abby's character and Abby in real life pointed out in, in what world, would a woman in a crisis pregnancy situation go to a guy dressed like the Grim Reaper to right. ask for, for right. you know, right. and carrying a scythe? Right. <laughs> um, Abby really is, she was the first voice to come out that was really saying, we have to preach love. We really have to preach love. At least the voice that first cut through. How did you guys come across her story? And, and tell me about that. 
I'd l- we'd love to tell you it was some genius thing, but uh, Carrie will probably. Yeah, it was. We were sitting in a coffee shop figuring out what we were going to do next. And this a young lady walks up to us with a book called Unplanned and says, you need to make this a movie. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Abortion. I know a lot about that. And, uh, you know, if we had it our way, we would have made a Western. I mean, that was not, <laughs> this we, was not our intention. We, we, we like movies about angry men carrying powerful handguns. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but the Lord had another idea. You know, we prayed on it. Uh, we, he had read the book first and said, you know, you've got to read this. And that kind of scared me because that kind of statement from him means there's something really good here. And uh, I read it, and we both realized immediately it was for for that time. But the irony was that was six years ago. And we prayed on it, and the Lord said, not yet, and we were confused. And it took four years for the Lord then to drop the Spirit on us again. We were in our office working on a project, and uh, he said to us, now. And that was 10 days before Donald Trump became president. Hmm. So yeah. timing was in this process, in this piece, it's been about the timing. And as terrible as the infanticide, passing laws and doing such like that, we believe that it's for a time such as this that he delayed this. That it's being mm-hmm. readied for this particular oh, I, time. I, I think when you're watching it, there's absolutely no doubt. There is no doubt um, that that was, it's prepared for for this exact time. Um, you know, Gosnell came out, and that is such a horrible story i don't know if you guys saw it but it was uh i mean it's not what you would expect because it had such little coverage on it it's the guy was a a serial killer um and disturbed all the way around um this is a story where they're not disturbed Uh, the 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 people that are doing it the, the nurses are not evil um, they're they're likable. I'd have them as my friends. Uh, and yet they're doing and involved in these really disturbing things. Now, you just got a an R rating from the MPAA. That surprise, we did. surprise. <laughs> yeah. You mean by the organization presided over by a former assistant secretary of state from the Obama administration? <laughs> Not that there could be an agenda there. Yeah, right. No. Right. Uh, I think this is actually going to work to your advantage. It is. Um, we agree. Uh, it is because there is. How many swear words are in there? Uh, none of any significance. Yeah, like there's, <laughs> there's like, like a a where, the, where the hell is she going? <laughs> yeah, 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 we right. go, we, we go that far. We don't right. go further. Yeah. No, there's no warnings for pro, the, just going from the MPAA's language. There's no warning for profanity, no warning for nudity, no warning for sexual content because there isn't any. It's only for the uh, disturbing scene. Yes, and uh, effectively violence associated with the termination of a human being. Mm-hmm. So, ironically, they're kind of supporting the pro-life stance indirectly, whether they realize it or not. Well, when you see, and I assume this was all CGI, that was not a real... Yes, it yes. was It was, uh, It was. was started. Actually, uh, it's kind of funny. Our editor's wife was 13 weeks pregnant uh, when he started his work and uh, mm-hmm. and had an ultrasound handy and said, can I use my, my, my son that will eventually be born? Oh, my gosh. And so we use that as the start for the animated model that would become. Uh, so but, it's all based off the real, yeah. a real child. And yeah, it's it, the first child ever, by the way, in the credits of a movie, the first actor ever, we gave there an acting credit to the baby in the womb. In oh, utero. that's great. <laughs> so, that's great. I don't know if there'll ever be another one, yeah, but then yeah. he was the first, Cash that's Adams. Great. That's great. Um, so when you depicted that, um, explain that one scene. You know, uh, 
Abby, when she went into the room, she, she never, you know, she oversaw the facility. What people don't realize, they bring the doctors in. And the doctor we used and the nurse that we used were real abortionists, by the way. Yeah, Dr. Life. Anthony Levitino was a, was a retired abortionist. He specialized actually in second trimester abortions, which are rougher. They're dismemberment abortions. But he came in here and we got a real experienced abortion surgical nurse to play the nurse. We wanted everything to be very, very realistic, not gratuitous, but authentic. Realistic, yeah. And so the chamber was laid out as it would have been. The the right instruments were there. When the doc came in, he reordered his implements the way he would have had. So when he went to work, initially he had a little bit of trouble going back, revisiting there mentally. But then once he slipped back into it after a couple of takes, he was very businesslike and professional in terms of his manner and how he went about doing what he did. So what you see is as close to what really was could be shown and when we showed Abby the ultrasound images, once the animated images got to a certain point, she says, dang near perfect. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just your... And this is something that, ironically, most abortionists spend their whole career never seeing. Because it's very rare for all abortionists to do ultrasound-guided abortions. They would actually be safer for women if they were done that way. Planned Parenthood doesn't like to do them because it adds about four to five minutes per procedure. And when you're doing 40 procedures on a Saturday morning... That means they'd have to hire a second surgeon if they did that. Cuts into so their revenue. Cuts into the Holy profit margin. How? Yeah. You think that's the only reason? Oh, I, yeah. I know of no other reason to judge. It's a safer procedure because there are fewer uh, incidences of uh, rupt, you know, uh, rupturing the uterine wall or anything else. It's far safer. Um, but Planned Parenthood will maintain that abortion is a completely safe procedure. So if it's completely safe, why do you need to make it any safer? Do you think that would affect those abortion doctors if they did it that way? I think it would. I mean, uh, Dr. Levitino was actually uh, convicted in mid-procedure. Uh, now, it had been, he, had, he and his wife had adopted a daughter, and uh, she died. She was, old, she was late teens, and um, he didn't perform any procedures for a couple of months, and then he went back on his first procedure in the middle of the procedure. He realized, this is, I'm looking at my daughter. I'm not looking at. A thing. Know, a thing. I'm not looking at fetal tissue. I'm looking at a human being. He didn't even want to finish the procedure, but he, he was bound to at that point, but he never performed another one. That was the end of it. Abby is a remarkable woman. I saw her in a hallway the other day, and she came up, and she put her arms around my neck, and I had my mouth right to her ear, and I just whispered in her ear, I think your story is going to change the course of history. Um. Uh. Everything that is that is said by the um, doctor, beam me up, Scotty. Which was what he really said in real life, yeah, during the procedure. And all of the things that the abortion uh, advocates at Planned Parenthood said, that's, that's all verbatim, is it not? Yeah, they were pretty much verbatim. I mean, Abby being told that not-for-profit is a tax status, not a business model, you know, those things being encouraged not to have her child that she had by her boss because it would Im- impact her job performance. But I can't say every word in the film is verbatim, but the yeah. vast majority of things are that those are real life interactions. We didn't fabricate anything. We didn't come up with scenes to make it better or more graphic or less graphic. We just, we interviewed her. We spent time with her. Uh, we spent a week in Texas with her and the lawyers and every transcripts from the court. We did the whole thing and we didn't have to, you know, our point of view, we didn't set out to make a Christian movie. 
we set out to make a movie based on what happens in the abortion chamber. Mm -hmm. And her story, like you said, is an amazing story. She's an amazing woman. And so we didn't have to lie or propagandize anything. We just had to tell the truth. And that's the best kind of movie. I mean, it just comes out. And it's enough for an R rating, which is really amazing. As you pointed out earlier, it's an admission from the MPAA that these things are. Because it's not graphic. It's really not graphic. If you believe that that is just tissue that somehow or another fights back, uh, then then what are you doing? The only reason why this is shocking is because you see, and, and is this accurate, that the, that the babies actually fight, try to get away from it? Well, it's so rarely seen, as we said, but Abby's did. That's what shocked her. You know, it's kind of like, if you look at pictures of the Holocaust, sometimes you can look at pe- pictures of people who've been there behind the gate and they're emaciated and everything, and you... You're sad, but you lose the connection with the humanity. Then you take one look at the people coming off the trains, still wearing their mm-hmm. normal clothing and everything else, and you say, it hits you like a ton of bricks, like, and, and the empathy kicks in. Well, Abby had actually seen, to be fair, fetal remains a number of times. Part of the way up. It showed her early on. Yes. Looking in the Petri dish at little arms and legs and being fascinated by it, not repelled. And they deli- her boss deliberately didn't use the desensitization technique that's normally used. Usually, if a Planned Parenthood employee is targeted for becoming a clinic leader or, or exec, they'll start with the fetal remains in Petri dishes, and they'll start at like six weeks where it looks more like mm-hmm. a blob. And mm-hmm. and you can say, well, maybe it's not a human being. And then they'll gradually start. They'll give, Then they'll mm-hmm. show them an eight-weeker, then a mm-hmm. 10-weeker. And then the, by the time they're done, it's a 16-weeker, and you can tell this is clearly a baby. But it's a plan for desensitization they started abby right off why one uh, i think her boss was testing her she had picked her she had she was mentoring abby she had picked her own successor in her mind this was sort of the uh the final trip into the inner cave um it opens march 29th and i would urge you to find a way to organize yourself your church your ward if you happen to be a mormon i know this is a rated r movie but that is a political rating um there is nothing more important than seeing this and bringing people especially uh youth to see this it will change them forever there's no way you walk out of this movie and say oh well that's just a blob it is very very clear and that's why the mpaa is trying to make sure they bar especially the you know people who are 14 15 16 17 who are all allowed to go have an abortion without their parents uh, permission but they can't go see this movie without a parent Um, take your kids to it and have a discussion and organize your churches and make sure you see this movie highest recommendation you want to stop abortion this is the first bullet in the arsenal Um, it's and it's incredible. It is really worth seeing. March 29th, the movie is unplanned. Find out about it. Go to unplannedmovie.com. Or I'm sorry, unplannedfilm.com. Unplannedfilm.com. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. American Financing is our sponsor this half hour. To buy a home, you need to have a good track record, namely a decent credit score and a history of reliable income. But when it comes to a down payment, you may not need as much as you think as long as you choose the right lender. 
American Financing has salary-based mortgage consultants that can customize any loan in the industry, and they can introduce you to assistance programs that can get you into a home with a small or no down payment. Now, I want you to know, don't get yourself into trouble, and I've talked to the people of American Financing. They don't offer this loan just to everybody. They want to make sure that you are on stable footing because this is what's got us in trouble in the last the last time around. American Financing is there again. They are not on commissions. They're here to do the right thing by you. American Financing employs salary-based mortgage consultants that don't work on commission. Plus, they don't charge any upfront fees. It's American Financing. America's trusted mortgage company, 800-906-2440. That's 1-800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You know, we uh, we dropped the ball. We didn't get to the happy Hickenlooper uh, news, nor uh, will we today. Um, uh, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. It's pretty big news. Everybody will be covering it. Um, uh, but instead, we do want to cover a, 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 a an I'm sorry Oops. from the Washington Post. Yeah, they posted an article online January 19th reporting on an incident at the Lincoln Memorial. Subsequent reporting, a student statement and additional video allow for a more complete assessment of what occurred, mm. either contradicting or failing to confirm accounts provided in the story, including that a Native American activist, Nathan Phillips, was prevented by one student from moving on, that his group had been taunted by the students in the lead-up to the encounter, and that the students were trying to instigate a conflict. Mm. But do- it's just six weeks later after these kids' lives yeah. have been destroyed. And only, I just want to let you know. Only a $250 million lawsuit yeah. you know, gets them gets them back to the typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Glenn.